Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 7. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. God is saying... I've always wanted to identify with my people and I want to stay near them. That's awesome because that tells us a lot about God and mainly that he is approachable. Remember, I told you he is the approachable, sympathetic high priest. He's approachable and he wants to be near us. John, the gospel of John, chapter one, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know that word, that that verse. That word dwelt in the Greek is set up tent. And the word of God, are y'all hearing me? And the word of God set up tent among us. It carries the idea to appear on the stage of human history. God stepped out of eternity and wrapped himself in human flesh and set up tent in the form of a human body. And he became a man. Revelation chapter 21, verse three. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. So God says to Nathan, I didn't ask for a house. I've moved about in a tent and a tabernacle since you've been in Egypt. God said in verse 7, look at it, wherever I've moved, have I ever spoke to anyone from any tribe about building me a cedar house? Are y'all picking this up? David wanted to do more for God than God wanted done for himself. And that's a great thing. We should all want to do more for God. We should all want more from God. In terms of holiness and righteousness, we should all be at the place of, God, I want to do more. I'm not satisfied. And isn't it true? We live in a culture where people look for God to do for them. We live in a culture where we look for everyone to do everything for us. People come to church wondering what this church has for me. People shop around church. Well, you know, we're looking for this because we have this situation and we need this in our church and we need that in our church. And they have a checkoff list and nowhere on that checkoff list is sound Bible teaching. What's going on? There's no sound Bible teaching. Well, we need youth ministry because we've got some youth And we need children's ministry because we got some children. And we need coffee because we can't function without coffee. What's going on? You need to find a church that's teaching the word of God. If you want coffee, get a cup before you come to church. We have a cafe. Don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on coffee. I don't drink it. 
I'm not hating on it. But you don't look for a church based on a cup of coffee. You don't shop around for a church like you do for a loaf of bread. You look for a church that's number one, teaching God's word. You don't even look for a church. You don't even look for a church based on good music. Don't get me wrong. Ain't nothing worse than a horrible praise band. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let the church say amen. Amen. (laughs) Y'all did just like me too. Amen. I don't, don't get me wrong. I, 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 I think we need to be skillful in everything that we do for the Lord. Don't, don't get me wrong, but you don't look for a church based on that. You don't, look, you, don't, you don't go to a church because they have cool music or because they have cool anything. You choose a church. Are they teaching God's word? Are they equipping the people of God? You don't choose a church based on their outreach efforts. That's a good thing. Who can argue with that? That is a good thing. Outreach efforts are good. Mission work is good. But that's not why you choose a church. Because God has called people to do that. And the church is to equip you so that you can hear God's call to go and do that. It is not the church's primary function and responsibility to be an outreach ministry. I need to clear this up, Pastor Kevin. It is not the primary function of the church. It is not. The primary function of the church is to equip the body of Christ. My job is to teach you the word of God. My job is not to focus on missions. My job is to teach you the word of God. If I teach you the word of God, I trust The spirit of God will show you what your gifting is and then you will then go and move out in that gifting. If that gifting is missions, then you'll go do that. But guess what? You'll go with something to say because you've been taught the word of God. If you haven't been taught the word of God, if you haven't taught the word, you're just going. And what difference is that than doctors with borders? No problem with doctors with borders. Don't get me wrong. I have no problem with none of these things. But only what you do for Christ will last. That's all I'm trying to tell you. Only what you do for Christ will last. The things that we do for the Lord. So we need to look for a church and be a culture of people that we don't go out shopping looking for what the church can give to me. Instead, we should come to the church or we come to God with God. I'm here to offer to you praise. I'm here to offer to you worship. I'm here to offer to you my tithe and my finances so that the kingdom of God can move forward. And we, we need to be we need to change our mindset because our mindset is like, gimme, gimme, gimme. That's the culture we live in. And I get it. We can't help it. You almost can't help it. You're inundated with it. Gimme, 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 gimme. Show me one place in the word where Jesus had that kind of mentality. You will not find it. Jesus said, blessed is he who gives. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus is a giver. Somebody say that's right. Jesus is a giver. He gives. 
He doesn't just take, take, take. We live in a culture of give me, give me, give me, satisfy me. We want to be satisfied, but we don't want to do anything for God and, and, and to satisfy him. Not good. We should say, God, I'm not doing enough. I want to do more. God said, Nathan, go to David and tell him. Verse 8, look at it. I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people. And I've been with you wherever you've gone. Whether you fought a lion or a tiger or a bear, I've been with you, David. God says, I've cut off all your enemies from before you, and I've made your name great like the great men on the earth. In God's book, David is one of the greatest men on the earth. David is among great men like Abraham and Isaac and Moses. And when you read the story of David's life, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Think about it. There were thousands of shepherd boys out with their flock that day. And the only reason we know of David is because God took him from the sheepfold. If God had never sent prophet Sammy looking for a king, for a king and, and he chose David, David would have lived and died in, in obscurity. God said, I did that. Are you listening? I called you. I anointed you. I sent you. I gave you a great name. God took David from the pasture to the throne. God said, David, right now, I don't need a builder. I need a shepherd. Because look at verse 10. God said, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, and they won't have to move again, nor shall wicked people oppress them. First of all, saints, note the I wills. I will appoint a place for my people. I will plant that they won't move again. Look at verse 11. I will cause you to rest from your enemies and the Lord will build you a house. The word house, you taking notes? The word house is used 15 times in three different ways in this chapter. The word house is used 15 times in three different ways in this chapter. House referring to David's palace, verse 1 and 2. House referring to the temples, 5, 7, 13 house referring to David's dynasty verse 11 13 16 18 29 God turns the table David said thanks God said thanks but no thanks as a matter of fact God said David I'll do you one better I'll make you a dynasty now just a little technical stay with me saints a little bit technical here turn your brain on when God said, I'm going to make you a house, this word house is the word dynasty. This phrase is known as the Davidic covenant. Write it down. The Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant says that God was going to establish David's kingdom forever. Simple as that. The Davidic covenant has a twofold application, immediate and future application. The immediate application is to Solomon who would build the temple. The future or the prophetic application is Jesus who would come from David's lineage. Jesus would be the seed of David and through Jesus, God would establish an everlasting kingdom. Now understand something. The Davidic covenant had nothing to do with David or Israel. Did you hear me? 
The Davidic covenant had nothing. I know it's technical. Please stay with me. You have to know this. The Davidic covenant had nothing to do with David or Israel. The Davidic covenant is an unconditional covenant based on nothing but God's faithfulness. If you don't learn nothing else I said tonight, learn that. The Davidic covenant is based on God's faithfulness and God's faithfulness alone. In other words, God does not have conditions of obedience on his on its fulfillment. The promise of the covenant does not at all depend on David or Israel's obedience. You'll notice the covenant is summarized by four words. House, kingdom, and throne, and forever in verses 12 through 17. House, kingdom, throne, and forever. House is referring to a dynasty in the lineage. Kingdom is referring to the people who are governed by a king. Throne is referring to the authority of the king's rule. Forever is referring to the eternal, unconditional nature of the promise to David. Here are some references really quickly. Jeremiah 23, 25. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Isaiah 9, 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isaiah 11, 1. All these verses sound familiar, don't they? Now you hear how they tie in. Isaiah 11.1. 1, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. Luke chapter 1, verse 32. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Acts 13.34. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. All of these are references to the covenant that God made with David, the Davidic covenant. So David is probably bummed out because God doesn't want a house. But here's the good news. God is going to establish them and plant them and the wicked won't hurt them as they previously did. Now, if you know the story, you know Israel has always been moving from pillar to post. And Satan has always persecuted and afflicted them since the beginning the beginning, I mean the beginning, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This, leave that verse there for a second, please. This is the first mention. If you don't know this, write it down. This is important. This is the first mention in the Bible of the gospel. This verse is the first mention of the Bible in the gospel. In the world of theology, this is called the Proto-Evangelicum. The Proto-Evangelicum. The Proto-Evangelicum refers to the first cosmic struggle and that God triumphed over Satan. The devil shot every gun he had at Jesus and his people to kill them. How many even know that? In Matthew chapter 16, Satan tried to hinder Jesus from the cross. 
And Jesus said, Peter, get thee behind me. You are not concerned with the things of God. Historically, people have tried to destroy the Jew. 4,000 years ago, Pharaoh tried to wipe them out. Haman made his gallows. Herod tried to butcher and kill all the babies. Hitler tried to exterminate them. The enemy has always tried to rid the world of God's people, but God got the victory. Proto-evangelicum. God got the victory. David wanted to build God the house, build God a house, but he wasn't allowed. Why? Because David was a man of war. David was a man of blood. First Chronicles 22, 8 through 10. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name because you have shed blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all of his enemies all around. His name shall be who, saints? For I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. And he shall build a house for my name. And he shall be my son. And I'll be his father. And I'll establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Did you get that? God didn't tell David why he couldn't build a house. David didn't know that many years later. He didn't know that until many years later. David trusted the Lord, even though he didn't understand why he couldn't build God a house. He trusted the Lord. And there are many, many things happening, I believe, in, a, in, a, in an audience this vast. Certainly, there are many things happening in your life tonight that you don't understand. I'm going to tell you something. God brought you here tonight to hear this. You need to trust the Lord. Some stuff... Some stuff is out of your hands. Some stuff you can't do nothing about. If you've been a Christian for more than a week, you know that. There's some stuff you can't do nothing about. But you need to trust the Lord. And take your hands off of it. Sometimes we, our hands are on things in a way that God can't move because you're in the way. So you want him to get saved because he ain't acting right. And it's really hard for you to stand when he's embarrassed. And you want him to get saved, but you keep doing things to get in the middle of God really working on his heart. Versus just take your hands off of it and say, you know what? I'm going to win him without a word. Same thing with the wife. I'm going to win her without a word. Do you know you can win people to Christ and you don't have to? Because when you, after a while, we just tune that out. Am I right about it? Okay? So you win them without a word. And you get out the way and let God do what God has to do. And even though you don't understand it, you might understand it later on. And maybe you won't. But God's under no contract to make sure you understand everything. I'm out of time. We have to close. Why question? 
What do we do when God says no? What do we do? You accept it. Wasn't that worth waiting for? (laughs) Wasn't that worth waiting for? Accept it. A.T. Pearson said disappointments are his appointments. I like that. When God says no, it means he has a better way. Do you know there is no such thing as unanswered prayer? Let me correct a misnomer. It is a misnomer to think that there is such tell of unanswered prayer. There's no, there's no such thing as unanswered prayer. It is always yes, no, or what? You know that. It's yes, no, or wait. Yes doesn't mean God loves you anymore. No doesn't mean God loves you any less. And wait doesn't mean God is trying to torture you and make you wait. (laughs) Say amen. Amen. Saints, we got to learn to trust because God knows more than you do. Just like you want your children to trust. When you tell your kids to do something, at least most parents are like, I don't know, these, these, these uh, 2016 parents, I don't know where y'all going. But I'm talking about, uh, no, I ain't talking, I know I ain't talking to you because you're my son. And I'm, you know, you don't have to get with him, but I will. <laughs> I know I ain't talking to you. Amen, you just bring them on over to me. You know, Grandpa take, take, uh, Grandpa take care of it. I'll tell y'all a cute little story next week about that. You say to your kids, listen, I need you to go do this. And you expect them to go do it. Not stand there and go, why? Well, why? Well, what? Well, well, explain it all to me. Start at the beginning. Why? No, 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 no. They start asking you why. You know what? They start asking me why. I say, you know what, to another one of the children who are being obedient, I'll say to one of the children who are being obedient, call 911. <laughs> you know what, people listen to me on the radio, they probably think I'm an abusive parent. Because <laughs> no, no, no. I'm your father. You're not mine. And if I choose to tell you, then you're blessed. And if I don't choose to tell you, you're blessed. Because you're still soaking up my air. Were you here on Sunday? Okay, put the two together. You're still soaking up my air and my heat and eating my food. And living in my house. All right? We don't never did. Never will. Praise God, I'm past that age of some child walking into some room and slamming some door telling me that this is my room and I'm going to my room. Bam! They slam the door. Let me tell you something. That will be the last thing they slam (laughs) ever. Ever. First of all, let's get it straight. All right, Mr. and Mrs. Ebron. 
y'all know. All right? That's not their house. That's your house. Okay? When you start saying, I'm going to my room, no. You mean you're going to my room that I lent you. And I can put you out of it anytime I want. I'm counting the days till you're 18. <laughs> Hallelujah, because when you're 18, then I have reason. <laughs> Do something. I'll be going, you're 18 years old. See ya. Hope you got a job. I might give you a few dollars to tide you over, but that's, that's it. I, amen. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.